Thanks for tuning in to the Follow Church weekly message. Our hope and prayer is that you will find this message uplifting and challenging as we seek to follow Jesus in our community for His glory. So, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through to 8. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters... In view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us, If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Amen. Welcome, Lockie. Thank you, Hayden, and thank you guys for your nice welcome. Um, we're going to get stuck into it today. We're going to continue Romans. We're in chapter 12. Uh, the series is entitled The Big Stuff, and I know you've been sitting down for a long time, and we've got a lot to cover today. So before we get stuck into it, I want everyone on your feet, stand up with me, stretch out, wiggle out, and then turn to someone next to you and say, I am so good looking. I don't know why you're laughing. Stretch her out, sit down, and we'll get stuck into it. I'm so good looking. That's it. So the Lord has already convicted me to cut out my first opening story because we've been here a while and we're going to be here a while. So don't get to hear me talk about how it's November already and it's Christmas season, the Christmas tree's up, which is pretty scary in our house. But I'm going to get straight into it. We're going, to, we're, going to, we're going to get stuck into Romans today. There is so much to cover in this chapter, yeah? So we've been journeying through the book of Romans this year. As we start in chapter 12 today. What I've noticed, I don't know if you've noticed this too, is Paul has changed his writing style um, with the content of the next few chapters. Previously, um, up to chapter 11, it's been very much a theological explanation of the gospel, Yeah? Uh, But now we're getting into a little bit more about some ethical instructions. So we're moving into a sequel territory. So we've had the first movement or movie um, up to chapter 11 and now we're in the sequel. But it's got the same name. We're still in Romans. Let's recap on what we've learned so far. Paul is writing to the Roman church. It's a mixed bag made of Jews and Gentiles, the old school and the new believers have been unified by their faith in Jesus. They're now together as part of Abraham's family. 
uh, which is God's lineage and God's plan. And they're being transformed by his spirit, fulfilling his ancient promises. And I could say this sermon um, could quite easily be an eight-part sermon rather than the standard three points uh, because we've got these eight verses that we'll be covering off this morning. It's such a powerful uh, passage of scripture, as I said, and we're going to really dig into it. I could probably just preach the whole message on verse 1 or even half of verse 1. Um, I'm reminded of the, the words of D.L. Moody. He said, the scriptures were not given for our information, but they're given for our transformation. So today, let's open our ears, let's open our hearts, and let's bow our heads together and invite God to speak to us today. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. What a gift it is to have this manual that we can refer to through your spirit that can change our lives. Thank you for Paul's work and the impact um, of his service that has had on our lives and the lessons and teachings that he can share with us. Lord God, we make ourselves available to you today to be transformed. May you guide our discussion so it is one that pleases you, full of your life-changing truths. Amen. So verse 1, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Therefore is such a big word in the Bible, and it should always get our attention and ask, therefore, what again? We need to say, why is he saying therefore? Because in the previous 11 chapters of Romans, Paul has explained the universal hopelessness of nature of sin. He gave us a pathway to faith, he told us how we were set free from sin and death by the great sacrifice of Jesus, and now there is no condemnation for us. Even more, God is working in all things, including our ignorance and our sin, together for the good, and that nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God in Christ. And Paul says, therefore, in view of God's mercy, which sums up that whole paragraph, so God's mercy is what we're trying to remember as Paul continues to talk. As we soak in this life-giving truth, Paul's saying, got it? Good. Don't forget it. Now keep listening. He's just throwing it up in the air. Like I'm reminded of a picture of like a, like a Coldplay concert or some big concert. They use a lot of confetti cannons and balloons and it flies in the air and it just kind of floats there throughout the songs. So that's that truth that's just going to hang there while we go through the rest of Romans. And while it's fresh in our minds, he urges us to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. Living. And to the traditional Jews, this is a bit of an oxymoron. These words, they don't quite go together, sort of like good grief or exact estimate or St Kilda champion, right? <laughs> Couldn't resist. This phrase, living sacrifice, to make sense, we need to see you know, how it works in the Old Testament and the New Testament and how that comes together. So let's, give, let's have a quick, brief overview of sacrifice in the Bible. I'll probably butcher it. A little joke for you, boom, boom. The Old Testament, the Israelites, they were sinners, like all of us, and they kept on sinning. And it was a time where they had the tabernacle ready and the temple. And this is a place for them where God literally was dwelling. And they didn't want to corrupt the very presence of God. 
They wanted to do something to turn themselves away from their sin, to pay the cost or the debt of their evil actions, to find a way to cleanse the community, the area of the infections, this infection of the sin, and they wanted to keep God's presence there. That was the main goal. They didn't want God to be like, this place is rubbish, I'm out of here. So you read about this in Leviticus, where it was time for sacrifice, and the Israelites, they got a a pure calf or an animal, or not a calf, a lamb, or or some kind of goat, and they, they cut its throat and watched the blood drain out of it. And that was an act for them as a deterrent. They'd watched that horrendous act of this, this animal dying in front of them. And it's a warning that sin has dire consequences. And it's more than just a warning. This animal's death was offered as a ransom to cover the cost because they knew that God had every right to take their life and make them face the consequences. But thankfully, God is uh, a God who loves his creation not enough, not, uh, to, uh, enough not to kill them. Um, so it's this lamb or goat instead. The Hebrew word for cover is, to tra- is translated into the word that we know as atonement. So this lamb covered the cost. And also the act of the blood flowing from this animal, it represents death, but the blood itself represents life. Blood is life-giving. So they would sprinkle this blood around the place, um, around their area, to cleanse the area, symbolically. So this sacrifice, it covered off on all those points um, and it allowed the Israelites to be right with God, in a nutshell. And then you fast forward to the New Testament, to the cross, to Jesus, who was sent by God the Father to be the final sacrifice. Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Hebrews 10.12 says, When Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. So Christ brought an end to the Old Testament sacrifices for sin. He finished the great work of atonement. We can't add to this. We can't improve on it. This is for everyone forever. So Paul is urging us to offer ourselves as a sacrifice to God. But luckily, we get to be the living version. So we get to keep our mortality, uh, then what's left to sacrifice. That's ourselves, our bodies, our lives. The body is really important to God. He made it. You know, six times in Genesis 1, in the story of the creation, God saw what he had made and he said it was good. And then he moulds humans out of his own likeness in his image, God in flesh, in human form, And then he looked at his whole creation and he said, hubba hubba. (laughs) Well, not quite. He didn't say that. But he looked at everything and he said, this is very good. And maybe it's my ego, I don't know, but surely humans have something to do with that addition of that little cheeky word, very. It went from good to very good. And back in our text in Romans, whoever's quoted this scripture that we're looking through and skipped not intentionally, I'm sure, but skip the word body. I'm, I'm, I'm guilty, I'll admit it. So people would ask me um, over the last few weeks when I'm preaching next, and I'd say, oh, you know, it's Romans 12, the living sacrifice, renewal of your mind, you know, b- the body of the church, many parts, all that sort of stuff. 
It's going to be great. It's on unity. God's got so much to say. Uh, But I forgot the body. And if you were to ask Jesus, what he would say is the most important thing we can do in all of our existence, wouldn't that be great to know? If he just said, oh, just do this. And the good news is he has answered that question for us. And our children actually studied this passage and followed kids a few weeks ago. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. It's in Mark 12. Strength, our bodies. But what does that actually mean, strength? The Old Testament, you see the word might used a lot for strength. And it usually functions as the word very. So what does it mean to love the Lord your God with all your veriness? The Greek translates into power. The Aramaic means wealth. But all those three words, they're pointing somewhere. The focus should be less on who we are, but what we can be. Because our bodies aren't perfect, are they? I said, tell tell your neighbour how good looking you are and you'll laugh. But what if our, all our bodies were perfect? I mean, if my, if my voice was slightly more gravelly this morning or quiet, you couldn't quite hear me, or this pesky pimple on my chin was to disappear all of a sudden in some miracle, is God's impact on us today, his message for the world, going to be amplified any more or less? No way. But we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice to him, not just the physical muscle and the bones and the blood, but everything we have available for honouring God, which includes our relationships, it includes our houses, our jobs, our mobile phones, our hobbies, it's everything. And when we do this, Paul says, that's true worship. We can respond to him by singing praises, we talk and pray to him, we seek his help Um, through that prayer, we invite his spirit to encounter us, We can study his word, but our true and proper worship is to offer our bodies in action. Our hands, our feet, our heads, our eyes, our shoulders, our knees, our toes, our knees, our toes, our knees, our toes. (laughs) You know how it goes. And that is what God wants, and that is what's going to get him really excited because he says, offer yourselves holy and pleasing to God. So that's verse 1. <laughs> verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what's God will, what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So if my brain, we're talking about a car analogy, if my brain is a chassis, then my mind is the engine. My arms and legs, they're a keyboard or a mouse. My brain is the CPU in the computer. My thoughts are the operating system, right? And it's very interesting the way the brain works. It has a lot of power over our whole body. And it's a strong little muscle. When I bought a car a few years ago, there was a week or two going into the whole process when I was going to collect that car once I decided on what I was going to buy, and all of a sudden, on the road, it was like every second car was the same car, same colour, same model, same type, because I'd tuned in, I'd hyperly tuned into this car, and I was getting excited, I was thinking about it all the time. Apologies, Lord, I'm worshipping this idol of this car, but 
That's all I saw everywhere I went. Yesterday, um, a few of us were down at Cairo at the school to help out with the cyclists at the slog. We were serving coffees and cooking sausages and doing a few things, <laughs> raising money for the four C's, this bike ride. Um, it was a beautiful sunny day, just like today, but it was a bit chilly. Hayden and I were down there from 6.30 in the morning um, making some coffees. There was a bit of a lull in the traffic, um, and so we stepped out of, of the marquee and into the sunshine um, to, to warm ourselves off. And we were in, I don't know if you know, Cairo Pakenham campus, but we are in that middle section with the gazebo and the landscaping and the waterfalls and the nice rocks and stuff. And Hayden and I were chatting away, and he was... I was saying something very interesting and I was on my high horse and he was just looking around and he looked a bit distracted, looking at the ground. And I'm thinking, what's going on here, Hayden? Come on, listen to my awesome story. He was distracted by this, is this massive big rock um, on the ground. It was about a metre long, maybe more, and it formed a border for one of the garden beds, this big slab of rock. And he started you know, talking over my story and he said, I wonder how they got this rock in there. Did they, did they cut it here? Did they, did they take it from a quarry? How heavy is it? How deep is it? What, what did you have to put in to make it stick there? And I'm like, who cares? It's just a rock on, a, on the ground in a path. But Hayden, he's doing some landscaping in his house, isn't he? So everywhere he goes, it's just retaining walls and bark chips and rocks and how, what kind of quartz is that and whatever. His mind is tuned in. It's been slightly tweaked. The electric signals in that big brain of Hayden's, they've been transformed in a slight way. It's fascinating. It doesn't even have to be conscious thought. You know, I read a, a book, um, I won't dwell on it, but I read a book in a, a, a called The Power of Habit. This old 70-year-old man, he, um, he had a, a virus and he lost his whole memory centre in his brain. Um, and so he, he couldn't remember where his bedroom was in his house, couldn't remember his grandkids. His only memory was pre-1960s for this seven-year-old guy. And his wife would keep him active by walking around the block. And one morning, um, she walked into the living room where he usually is, and he wasn't there. And she's freaking out. About 15 minutes later, he walked in the front door. And, it, and he, it, she was like, where have you been? And he's like, I don't know. And it turns out that she went around and asked the neighbours, and he walked around the block, the same block that they walk around every day. And scientists found that it's not, it was, it was very interesting to me, but scientists found that, the, that habits are formed not in the memory centre. And you can form habits without even having fully functioning brain. Do you ever drive somewhere and you get to the, to the spot and you think, how did I get here? Did I even, did I speed? Did I, was I looking at my, of course I wasn't looking at my phone. But it's like where, it's like you black out and then you arrive. That's your subconscious working away for you. And it's too easy to ignore the immense impact that this mind of ours has on our worship to God and its relationship, our mind's relationship with our relationship with him. Do we bother to ask the Lord for protection and direction and oversight on our mind? We need to ask Jesus to help us. There are some Bible verses that might also help. If you're a note taker, you want to jot these references down quickly. Colossians 3, 1 to 2. Then you have been raised with Christ. Seek things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. 
Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, commendable, if there is excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Romans 8, 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things in the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their mind on things on the Spirit. So it's chicken or egg. Live in this way or think about this way. I think it's a bit of both. But also, we can just pray. If we want to transform our mind or renew our mind, let's ask God to help us. Last week, we had Pastor Mark Connor in the house. Fantastic. I don't know about you guys. It really impacted um, on me. Um, He had some great messages for us individually and as a church. Um, And on Monday night, he shared with um, a smaller group of us about, he gave me some insight, which I've never thought about, um, about prayer. We all know it's fuel. But the story uh, that he said was, he he related it to going on a vacation, like a long drive, an interstate um, holiday driving around. And you'd be driving and you'd see that petrol tank go down and down and down. And you don't want to stop for fuel. Because when you do, you know that what you're going to see is the caravan, the semi-trailer. They're all going to overtake you. You've been spending hours and hours meticulously passing all these cars. And then in five minutes, in an instant, they're all past you. But what happens if we don't stop? Well, we're never going to make it to our destination. If we refuse to fuel our tank, we're conforming to the pattern of this world. We're no different. We're just like everyone else running on empty. So I encourage you to wake up in the morning and say to God, thank you for this day. Thank you for this warm cup of coffee, the cool breeze outside, the family members you're sharing your Wheaties with, the pet you get to pat, whatever it might be, be thankful to God. And then ask him, God, what do you have for me today? What will you put in my path so that I can encounter you and love you and I can love my neighbour? Because if you're looking for it, those big slabs of who cares rock, they'll pop in front of you at the most random times. And God will use them for a story in a sermon. How good's that? <laughs> and you know, there's only one self-help book when it comes to renewing your mind. It's called The Bible. Just soak in it. Read it, read studies, listen to podcasts. Because you know, if you improve in this area... By just over a quarter of a percent each day in a year, that's 100% change. You've renewed yourself twice as much as what you were before. So if you're reading 400 words of the Bible every day, that's about one chapter. And you read one more word each day, that's 365 extra words a day. That's nearly twice as much of God's word that you're getting stuck into. I like to make it fun and keep a streak going. So on the phone... Uh, Read the Bible on the app. Um, At the moment, it says, I'm going to be honest, it says 27 weeks straight is what I've been reading the Bible on the app, um, which is only six months. But it keeps myself accountable, makes it a bit fun as well. All right, verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed each of you. Sober judgment is a tricky one. Max Licardo, in his book, Travelling Light, gives suggestions for how we can carry ourselves with humility. I think the best way to do that is just to be really honest with yourself. 
in your assessment of yourself. Because if you're really good at something, then celebrate it. Pursue it and believe that you're good. True humility, it's not just a backpack of weights that immediately is meant to slow you down. It's not about just pushing yourself down. It's being honest with yourself. Recognize your strengths and your weaknesses. But at the same time, don't take yourself too seriously. Recognize the success in others and wait for others to recognize your own success. I've got to preach that to myself a little bit more often. I love the line from Max Licato where he writes, Do you feel the need for affirmation? Does your self-esteem need attention? Do you need to drop names or show off? No, you don't. You just need to pause. There's my cross. At the base of the cross and be reminded of this. The maker of the stars would rather die for you than live without you. So if you want to boast on something, boast on that. With renewal of the mind comes a new humility. We're not focusing on ourselves as much. Chapter 4 says, humble yourself and you'll be lifted up. I think it's a great deal. Remember, Jesus said that his number one most important instruction for us was to love him with all our heart, soul, mind and strength. But the second most important commandment, it's 1A, it's just below, is to love each other. He said, the second is this, love your neighbour as yourself. We're rolling down the hill, we're into verse 4. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. This is where Paul, he's asking the church to play nice. We're not going to have a biology lesson today, but he relates the church to our bodies, which was designed with many different parts, each with very important functions, which all work together. Because the heart is a great organ. But if it goes off and does its own thing, and our bodies are going to go haywire. We're not going to last very long. Same with the good old-fashioned drum beat. Josh, I'm going to steal your sticks. Turn this on. Sound guy, I hope you... Sorry, I should have warned you, but I'm going to play some drums here. Um... Same with the old, good old-fashioned drum beats, made of many parts. So I've got four limbs. They're all doing different things at once. So that's like that's, that's called the hi-hat. I'm not going to do a whole workshop here. The hi-hat, pretty boring. Like you wouldn't go on Spotify and go, give me some hi-hat, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I like this bit. Yeah, that's it. Adds a kick. Different, different limb, different sound, but it's adding in, right? And you've got a cymbal. Can't hear that, can you? There you go. And then the and then the, uh, the snare. So just by itself, you can't just have a heart pumping on the ground. That's not going to do anything. You need some some flesh, some lungs, some bones. But what happens if that hi hat starts doing its own thing? Oh, I can't keep up. It's going to sound pretty terrible. Thank you, officer. <laughs> We've all got a favourite food, right? But I've never heard anyone say, my favourite food is one egg. Or get a hankering for a bowl of minced meat. 
Or who among can resist the, the delicious powderiness of three quarters of a cup of flour? <laughs> now, our favourite foods, they're collections of ingredients. They're all different, and while they don't quite have the same impact on their own, as they're combined with others, that's when you say, mm, I'll have a bit of that. And yeah, you love a food sometimes for the flavour, the basil flavours standing out in this pasta dish, or love the fluffiness of the pancakes, but it's all a result of the combination of those ingredients that makes the dish sing. The same way I've never heard someone say, my favourite food is bicarb soda. It's not often you hear people say, oh yeah, this weekend I went for a jog, I went to a birthday party on Saturday night, and then Sunday night I went to Berwick Grammar for Sound Guy. Or I don't hear the comments, we had a great offering collection today. Or I was sick on Sunday morning, so I miss Luke. I'm sure people do say that. But no, we don't necessarily use that language. We say church. So I can't wait for church. I get to go to church. Oh, I miss church. I love this church. It's the collection of everything. You know, I can't resist a Big Mac, got to be honest. When I was younger, a friend of mine actually made a Big Mac birthday cake for me. Like, not out of Big Macs, but it looked like a giant Big Mac, and that was pretty nice, except it didn't taste like Big Mac, so I didn't eat it. As nice as that special sauce is, which is what I love about it, it's not the same without the meat. I want it all together. And I want us as Follow Church to be as inviting and delicious for me, personally, you've all got your favourite food, as those seven ingredients together. together. The tour beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions, sesame seed bun. So you can be the lettuce, you can be the tool beef patties, special sauce, onion sang, cheese, pickles, I'll be the bun, sesame seed bun. We can make a delicious Big Mac together. I'm really hungry now. In verse 6, Paul gives us a few examples, yeah? We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. And if it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. For us, this can be really easy to overcomplicate. Am I a prophet? Am I a servant? I look at others and I think, gee, she or he is so good at encouraging. And I don't go and encourage them for that. But just like other people are great at things. It doesn't mean you have to be great at those things either. And this prophesying, this leading, this teaching, this serving, these are the flavours. This is what we taste, but it's made of ingredients. For me, if leading is my flavour, then an ingredient could be drumming. So I get to lead us into a place of worship where we can encounter God with music and we can sing to him, love songs and praises and let him work through us. If serving is a flavour, then my ingredient is coffee. I love getting over to that cart and using my mind, getting the right grind and the milk temperature right and pour that little cup of heaven on earth for someone that, it might just change their day, it might change their week, it might change their year, it might change their life, I don't know. But I'm open to serving for him. And I love being up here with you guys, nutting out the word, um, letting God speak through me. But you might be someone that hates being up the front, 
You don't have a musical bone in your body and you wouldn't know a Brazilian bean from a baked bean. And that's okay. You might really love putting cones out on the road before church. You might be organised and putting the seats in in a certain way. Cook some muffins and sell them here to the hungry throng and raise money for our ministries. You might be an ace with numbers and spreadsheets and dollars and cents. Talk to Raylene. You're always up for a chat. Go down to Burke Park on a Tuesday or Thursday night with our Blessed Collective and just talk up a storm. They would love it. They're thirsty for it. And what do we keep saying in this church is the Cardinia Shire population continues to swell. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So I'm going to wrap up with Jesus' words once again. Mark 12 from verse 28. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important one? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than this. When Jesus gave this ultimate commandment, the person who asked him, one of the teachers of the law, he responded in this way. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no one other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding and all your strength and to offer your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. And do you know what Jesus did then? He had no response. I bet there was a bit of an eyebrow raise, a bit of a nod of the head and a warm smile. And Jesus saw that he'd answered wisely and he said to him, you're not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. This is the crux of what Paul's saying, my friends. In order, in our response to what Jesus did for us, we should love the Lord, our God, with all we have, be open to change. And through that change, we love our neighbour. So find your flavour. Let the God of this flavour work through you and be irresistible. Thanks for listening to our message this week. If it stirred your heart and you would like to talk to someone more about it or pray with someone, please get in touch with us at info at follow.church. And one of our pastoral team will get back to you as soon as possible. If you'd like more information about Follow and our various ministries, including weekly service times and location, please check out our website, www.follow.church. Thanks again for joining us. God bless.